Hello everyone, this is Logan from the future again, giving you a heads up that in this extensive talk of Zack Snyder's Justice League, you might hear some stuff bump around as well as a third voice from time to time that is my neighbor just doing his own thing, as well as a surprise notification from my computer that decided to be as loud as can be and scare me almost halfway through the episode. With that said though, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the episode. certainly drummed up a lot of conversation you know everybody's talking about every detail about this movie Mm -hmm. but there's something there's just something that nobody's talking about something this movie lacks that i just i don't understand why nobody's talking about it okay yeah what what is it i just feel like you know four hours tons of stuff added to this movie but they couldn't have fit in a boo-boo stewart cameo (laughs) i mean come on what is Zack snyder thinking well, you see, Andy, I think the tinfoil hat thing would be, if the Snyder Cut did well enough, the boo-boo cut would be right behind. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everybody's asking for yeah. Restore the Snyder-verse. Yes. We're asking for Restore the boo-boo-verse. Or just put boo-boo in the verse-verse. <laughs> put boo-boo yeah. in the verse. That's but our hashtag. Knowing, knowing that, Snyder would have put him at the very end with the other three epilogue scenes, <laughs> and the film would be four and a half hours yeah. long. All this to say, Zack Snyder's a hack. <laughs> yes, that's that's what we all learned from this, is without Boo Boo Stewart, a director is a hack through and through. Yeah. Gosh, do you think the marketing for this film was directly towards like Snyder being like, I want people to stop referencing the fact that I used Hallelujah in the sex scene in Watchmen. Mm. I want that song that I love to be tied to something else (laughs) rather than a sex scene in Watchmen that people thought was kind of weirdly placed. (laughs) Trying to replace that association in people's minds. Yes, and honestly it has to a degree. Yeah. I think it's got its job done because now when I think of it, I think of shots from the first teaser. Yeah, I just and think of the of like laughing at the Justice League trailer when I first heard that. Like, yes. are you serious? He's using it again? I don't. My brain doesn't even go as far as the Watchmen sex scene anymore. But what's funny too is like I think most people who think of the Watchmen sex scene as that is just. I mean, we we figured it. We thought about it because we had to remind ourselves that that's in that scene. When right, we right. Rewatched it for the uh, original Rise of Snyder trilogy, but for a lot of people, I don't think they would have remembered that that's in Watchmen. So I think they yeah. just took advantage of that <laughs> and used a song that I feel like if Snyder does not love that song, I would just be shocked at who at Warner Brothers loves that song so much <laughs> they keep putting it in Snyder films. <laughs> I'm pretty no, I'm pretty sure. I thought. Maybe I, I I thought I read this somewhere that he put he put it in the movie slash all the marketing because it was like one of his daughter's favorite songs or something. Oh wow! If that's Which, the like, case, I don't even know. I mean, I mean, clearly he used it way before the tragedy with his daughter. But of course, like, <laughs> of course. You know, that, I think maybe she got attached to it from maybe from his work or something. But yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I hope. Yeah, if. if that is now just a different context yeah, oh, so that I didn't even... it's a whole even, different context, yeah. but it's still like... It, it's sweet to a degree, but also opens up... It's sweet, yeah. It closes one door, but opens five more <laughs> that I don't know if I want to go through. Yeah. So let's just jump right into it. Hello, everyone. I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. And this is Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy. And on Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy, we take a trio of films and we talk about the good, the bad, and the weird surrounding them. 
And boy, is this the weirdest of these three films. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time. It's finally here. It has been a conspiracy theory for several years. It has (laughs) become an actual thing in the last year. And now it is out for the world to see. It is now time to talk about our last film in Zack Snyder's DCEU trilogy. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yep. And it is just insane to think about the process that this film has had. Because, I mean, if we say this film started production or did pre-production mid to late 2015, like around the time probably they stopped, they finished BVS initial production and they went into post. This film, in the last almost six years, (laughs) has had one of the wildest production cycles that i think any film at its caliber has ever had (laughs) like it's just wild to me that by the end of this film if we add the budget if we just added the budget from whedon cut and we add the budget from this reshoots which was supposed to be only 30 million right bloomed up to 70 million (laughs) just to release this hbo max original right it has been i believe more than an infinity war to get this initial vision out there. Yep. If not almost 400 million. Mm-hmm. And it's just wild to see it be out. And if you don't know what we're talking about, <laughs> I'm just going to say right now, spoilers are plenty. We are talking about the entirety of the film. This is probably going to be a long one because this is a four hour cut of yeah. a film that was initially five hours. So, thank God there wasn't an extra hour put on top of this. But at the same time, in case you don't really know, we'll we'll go through kind of a recap. Man of Steel comes out in 2013, makes about a little over $650 worldwide. It does really well worldwide, but domestically, it's about a little over $300 which was underperformed what Warner Brothers wanted. Mm -hmm. But they felt like with Snyder... And how good he is with acting and with actors, and how he is good with productions, and just how excited and jam packed a person he is energy wise. They thought he had a great idea for a cinematic universe that would last for several films that they could branch off with other directors and kind of do what they do now, but not as disjointed. They really wanted (laughs) they wanted the universe to be more connected than it is. Until Batman v Superman comes out. Batman v Superman comes out in March 2016. It makes all, over 800 million, if not a little a, a bit under 900 million worldwide. Yeah. But again, the the domestic is almost exactly the same as Man of Steel. The difference is though is the critical response to BVS way more negative. Was so negative to the point where people weren't saying this was a bad movie. They were saying this is one of the worst superhero films we've gotten in this decade, if not in the 21st century yeah. so far. And at the time the film comes out, uh, I mean, Snyder was doing press stuff and the, and the crew, everyone was doing press stuff for the film as it was going in, but they were also working on initial production for justice league as this film comes out. So Snyder's going right into it. And as that happens, Warner brothers sees the responses, the reviews of Batman v Superman. And now they're scared. <laughs> they're scared that if they give Snyder more pull, more of a more of a creative freedom that he already has or that he has currently at the time they're worried they're going to just start making box office bombs they will never be able to recover from as quickly as they want right so after that they decide to go to snyder and say 
Like, where are you at so far? Where is your kind of your vision right now? We have some notes already due to what people have been telling us about Batman v Superman. And Snyder at the initial thing was like, as of right now, the assembly cut. Which the assembly cut is, there is no effects done. It's just everything shot. You know, maybe there's some storyboard stuff for the time. They haven't gotten everything yet. The assembly cut of the film is five hours. Yep. Warner Brothers watches the five-hour cut, and apparently they fucking hate it. Yeah. It is drab. It is dour. It is just even more depressing than BVS at times. They do not understand how this is going to be the film that's going to start off a universe when it's jam-packed so much in five hours that it feels like this is a film that either has to be five hours or it can't be made at all. <laughs> So Warner Brothers is like, you can't do five hours. We need more jokes. We need more colors. We need to fit. We need to be more like Marvel. We're going so far into another direction, and it's not working in our favor. We need to be more like Marvel. And Snyder goes, no, I'm not going to do that. And it gets to a point where basically Warner Brothers and Snyder keep fighting over what the length is supposed to be, what they want to do with this. I think about this time, Whedon is brought on to basically help with script maybe help with reshoots at a time i don't know if i don't think the... he was hired to direct no until snyder stepped away i do think he was at the time talked about coming in to help yeah. rewrite some stuff yeah. for reshoots not to direct reshoots yeah and at that time snyder and his wife deborah they are there fighting warner brothers to keep his vision alive and then something truly tragic happens whereas a family member his daughter unfortunately commits suicide and when that happens, it is a, I mean, I remember when I first, like, you know, as, you know, CBVS starting to realize how big of a dumpster fire that film is. Yeah. As a fan of, like, just comics in general, I was worried that Justice League was going to be trash. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was, it was, I was all but convinced. Yeah, I was scared about everything I've been hearing about, how Warner Brothers wasn't, con- like, confident in that. But when his daughter's uh, tragic, you know, like, his tra- tragic death came on like basically surfaced onto the internet and like you know entertainment weekly everyone was talking about it that all went away for me personally Mm -hmm. and i genuinely just went like god that is that sucks that is so horrible and tragic and when it was announced that he basically left justice league to just basically be with his family and kind of recontextualize and basically try to figure out how to live life after such a tragedy yeah, i mean i can't imagine carrying on a yeah. film production amidst grieving your yeah. dead daughter that is the that is the worst way for someone to leave a project right especially someone who is so uh <laughs> critical in terms of what the vision of the entire universe is supposed to look like right right and of course we're not saying we like that vision we don't but he but, is an important yeah. piece to yeah. the vision they've yeah. put forth I so would, far i would rather him leave on his own turns terms that aren't this tragic yeah than having to leave due to just meant having to do it because of mental health and just trying to figure out where they go as a family at that point yeah well well and to uh to kind of make the situation that much worse um the way wb decides to proceed in snyder's absence is effectively to kind of undo his entire plan for the film basically do all the things that he didn't want them to do when he was still on the film, mm-hmm. turn it into a more marvel thing, make it funnier, make it more colorful, make it easier to digest. I, I don't believe then... that they meant to make it seem this way, but I think from the outside looking in, 
Most fans and most critics saw it as WB taking advantage of a tragedy to basically mold a film that they knew was probably not going to make a lot of money and just try to basically damage control the absolute hell out of it. Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's impossible to determine intent, especially of, of a, a massive company. But it's, you know... Yeah, poor timing. You that's, lay what that's happened the name of the out game. there, and effectively, they took advantage. <laughs> they did. It was like, I'm not, and I'm not saying they did it in a sinister way. It was more just like, that sucks. They obviously didn't want that to happen. Yeah. But they're just like, okay, we're now at a point where the, the captain of the ship is gone, and we just need someone to grab the helm and make us get through these treacherous waters and at least, at least make five million... <laughs> At least yeah. make a, at least make enough money that like we can kind of move on and try to figure out where to go from here, and so reshoots become a tumultuous thing when Whedon is brought on to become the director more than just the screenwriter for the reshoots, and basically Whedon is pushed. He's basically asked like, "We need you to make your version of this as cheaply as possible, as quick as can be. We need a tight two-hour film that's silly, that's bright." And it, it doesn't matter at this point how much it makes. We just needed to not be Batman v Superman, which we will also talk about Whedon later in terms of what has been brought out. He is a piece of shit, but at this very moment, I cannot think of a. I cannot think of what else you should what you could do in that regards to what Whedon did. Whedon was brought on to basically write a a, a twisting ship, and he did as best as anyone could in that regard. Sure. Which leads to, in a year a year later, in 2017, I believe November 2017, Justice League comes out, Whedon's cut. Uh, it's two hours long. The trailers for it were a lot bumpier, had more jokes in it. Looks not honestly, looks nothing like what we saw yeah. <laughs> initially. Yeah. Which makes sense in terms of what they were trying to do. And the film in its entire worldwide kind of run makes $650 million with change. Which is about, I think, ten million less than Man of Steel made overall. So it was a. It's probably the closest out of all the early DC films to be a bomb in terms of Warner Brothers' mind. Yeah. But they made Most diminishing returns. Yes. So, yeah. But they were done. They pushed it aside. They had no interest in touching that again. They were going their own route. They're now doing like other directors have their own ideas. Patty Jenkins with Wonder Woman. Later, James Wan with Aquaman. David F. Sandberg, um, yes. Shazam. David F. Sandberg with uh, Shazam. Yeah, and now basically it's... they started leaning into, like, yeah. let's just focus on these movies as individual mm -hmm. things. It's, con it's of... connected to the universe, but it's not. Yeah, but we're not going to talk about the yes. universe. Because yeah. by that point, once Justice League comes out, Ben Affleck leaves as Batman. Mm -hmm. he's, he's going through his own personal troubles, and he just can't really deal with all the shit that's getting surrounded that. Cavill is now left. Cavill, as, uh, which we will talk about... <laughs> <laughs> Cavill, as the initial production of Justice League happened, he basically got signed on to do Mission Impossible 7. Yep. Great movie. Genuinely great movie. Definitely watch that if you haven't. Uh, in that film, he has a beautiful, gorgeous mustache mm. that was contractually obligated by Skydance yeah. for him to have on in that film. And so when they asked him to do reshoots for Whedon's version of Justice League, he said, I'm not getting rid of the mustache. I'm contractually well, no, obligated. To, yeah. yeah, so in Whedon's cut, 
all the new footage of Henry Cavill has a CGI upper lip. Yeah, and it's, well, it's even more than that. They ultimately have to reconstruct his face from the nose down. Yes. The opening scene of Whedon's cut, you, it does not even try to hide it, and mm. it's just rare, really, really rough. You can't hide that. You can't. You you really can't. But, um, so yeah, Cavill's gone. Uh, Cavill's got his own stuff he's wearing. Now he's trying to do other films, and then ultimately will become a part of the Witcher series on Netflix. Well, and, yeah, publicly in social media, he's becomes, you know, pretty quiet about all things dc he's not you know Mm -hmm. getting in on press about that and stuff he's doing his own thing yeah if anything after batman v superman while he did very much support the film and was not talking bad about the film it almost seemed like he knew the writing was on the wall that him being superman was probably a ticking time he wasn't gonna get man of steel he wasn't gonna real man of steel too he was probably just going to get pushed to the wayside yeah so after that you know it runs by, you know, people watch it, people either hate it, or, you know, some people, for some reason, genuinely loved it, thought it was an improvement, and most people, <laughs> I would say, were like, oh, okay, and then forgot it, because it yeah. is, I don't, I would not say it's a horrible film, but it is truly one of the most forgettable films that took $300 million to make. <laughs> I would say it's horrible for that reason, like, I'm, because I'm, of its forgettability. I completely understand that, and I and it's like when people say, when you say that, when others say that, it's like, I get that. Yeah. I just think for me personally, hating that film, it means I have to exude energy for that film, and I do not want to do that, because sure. there's just not enough there for me. But then something happens after Justice League comes out, and that is the hashtag release the Snyder Cut. Yeah, movement basically yeah. forms online mm-hmm. and social media and in online forums. Basically, people kind of at the encouragement of Snyder himself develop mm-hmm. this theory, this conjecture that there is a full, essentially completed version of Zack Snyder's vision for Justice League out there somewhere. In yes. WB's vaults or in mm-hmm. Snyder on Snyder's computer or something. He starts teasing it out on social media. Yeah, it, it starts a huge thing. It starts with a lot of diehard fans of Snyder's version of the DCEU yeah. believing because, like at the time, a lot of those, a lot of the stuff about the behind the scenes stuff had come out. Yeah, and when people saw five hour assembly cut, I think a lot of people assumed that was a five hour complete a five hour movie, yeah, which is like, not, not how it works. Not is not how it works. But Basically people, a work print. Yeah, but they were probably so disappointed and the felt best. so betrayed by Warner Brothers' version of Justice League and wanted to see Snyder so badly that basically since 2018 up to like up until Zack Snyder's yep. Justice League was announced, there was a pretty soft, you know, push of a hashtag that like became a meme to a source, but also do a lot of people yeah. genuinely believe that like there is a Snyder cut, WB's hiding it from us, we need to see it. And yeah, it, it was very. It carried a lot of conspiracy theory energy mm-hmm. to it. A lot of like Be- because it was. Yeah, it was one of those things where it's like it certainly it certainly yeah. started out that way. Yeah, because it didn't. Because a lot of the people who were asking for the Snyder cut, the kind of the vocab the vocabulary talking about the film made it seem like that they assumed there was a film in a closet. Yeah. Oh, WB sitting, sitting on this. Yes. Like, when why it, would yeah. they sit? On this, film. yeah, <laughs> you know, it's when a it, done movie. Yeah, when no. in reality they had all the footage, they're just not going to use it. Yeah, they make the film that they want, so they can just move on with their lives. But Snyder, I believe, mid to late 2019, going into 2020, he starts openly supporting it. Yeah, pushing it, and I think at some point, you know, Ben Affleck uh, says, you know, loved Snyder's version, and at that time, 
it was a situation where it felt like, so what does this all mean? If Snyder's going to get on board with this, if Snyder is, if Jason Momoa is now starting to support it, when in all honesty, his his take on in the in the Whedon cut is not anything too grand, but it doesn't really hurt him either. Right. Like everyone kind of slowly starts to kind of support Zach, especially Ray Fisher as Cyborg, which we will get into later. And now in, and I believe late summer last year, we got the Snyder cut trailer yeah basically saying like this is it hbo max is funding the reshoot kind of like vfx stuff we want to do for this film and this film will be out in 2021 yeah it was march when it was announced it was march i think so yes summer when we got a trailer because i think right before hbo max had come out they had been pushing like we have some we have a snyder cut yeah it's a possible like we're gonna start working on the snyder cut and after that, you know, time passes. We get a lot of trailers. You know, one that has you know everyone's favorite song, Leonard Cohen's version of Hallelujah. <laughs> we get we get we get to hear that like you know the film's not going to take up most of the screen because that's Zack Snyder's intended vision of the film. And months and months go by, similar to the the initial Justice League production. There's a lot of rumors, a lot of wild shit that gets released, and here we are. We are now at a point where we can talk about the film. Zack Snyder's Justice League, because the last bit of news that came out right before this is tied directly to one character in specific, which we will talk about as we go forward. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I guess the way to start this off in terms of actually talking about the film is, Andy, in terms of the Whedon cut compared to this cut, is it better? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, that's kind of been the dominating... Uh, subject of conversation naturally Uh, it's understandable i mean this is a new version of an already existing film Mm -hmm. a film that most people do not like it's that's going to be the center centerpiece of conversation is is it better and yeah i i don't think i i don't really understand how you could watch this movie and not think it's better um my big sticking point is that does not make it great (laughs) or even good that's that's kind of where we're, we're both at. Yeah. <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League is, overall, yeah, it makes it makes Whedon's cut obsolete in every way. Yeah, there's it's, no reason to ever watch that movie unless you're just yeah. curious about the differences. Yeah, if, I mean, truly, it's like, when we initially decided to do Zack Snyder's DCU trilogy, I assumed initially that we were going to have to do a dual episode with this one where we talk about Whedon's cut and and basically do a you know shot for shot almost just like cut for cut comparison of like how yeah. they do this and that but in all honesty Whedon's cut is so just dry forgettable and so straight to the point that if we ever need to talk about that film and what its contents are we'll talk about certain scenes but we're sure. not going to talk about the fact that like this we, just, we knew the episode would be dominated by yeah. talking about Snyder Cut because it's there's so much more to talk about. One cut is twice as long as the other cut. <laughs> obviously, the Snyder Cut has more to talk about. The Snyder Cut is obviously fits more in terms of the tone and the vision of what Snyder had in mind in the Man of Steel time. Right. At the same time, too, yeah, this film is better, but that doesn't necessarily make it good. Doesn't necessarily make it great. Doesn't necessarily make it not forgettable at times, because yeah, and it doesn't necessarily justify its four-hour runtime. No, <laughs> which is also a thing that is kind of astounding. Where 
with Zack Snyder's Justice League, what makes it so astounding as a film is that it's pretty clear, I think, now that we've seen every one of his films up to this point, to me, this is the film that feels the most like he has just the most amount of passion put behind it. This is a passion project now through and through because he has probably the energy and also has the crowd of people who have wanted this to happen basically give him more of a like high he's he's more hyped up than ever to get this out right. than he was when he initially probably wanted to and he ha- and he doesn't have to worry about wb trying to skimp his vision they basically are just like that i mean to be honest this film exists because you need more stuff for hbo max and yeah. what and what better way to get people on hbo max than you know fueling a conspiracy theory <laughs> yeah it's no it, it would yeah. be hard to argue that warner would have released this would it not be, you know, a huge boon to their yeah. streaming service? Yeah. I don't think they would have done it just out of the goodness of their hearts or no. to, you know, give Snyder his piece or whatever. Oh, yeah, because they're, they're currently, they're, I don't know if they're a they don't, they're not a year old yet. They'll be a year in, like, May. I think so, yeah. Well, HBO Max is now at a point where it is, there is just so little in HBO Max at that time. I mean, right now they're in, like, in the Lilyhammer phase that Netflix was in, where it's, like, Netflix had, like, Lilyhammer and a few other stuff, and then, like, films that people watched. And then by the time House of Cards comes out and other shows start to come, like, Netflix becomes their own thing. Right. And with HBO, like, HBO Max sold it on, basically, you get get all the Studio Ghibli Ghibli films. You get all the HBO stuff content. You get all of... You get some TCM, like, classic films. You get... Well, all was, these yeah. stuff. All it these was different things. It almost more the the kind of Disney Plus approach than the Netflix approach, whereas you know we're here's our here's a huge backlog. Yeah, and that's what we have to offer. And at some point, we'll have originals. But <laughs> yes, and so I mean, one better and like one of the biggest originals they could get would be the Snyder Cut. Yeah, would would be to actually fund the Snyder Cuts. Something VFX. that has a guaranteed. Uh, yeah. group of you know anticipators yeah. yeah something that like even if that is trash people are going to <laughs> people get us yeah, people are going to get a subscription to it to see what it is because that's basically this film has gotten a lot of popularity solely because there are a group of people who just want this film to be so good that they're going to watch it because they think it's good there are some people who are going to watch this because they want this film to be bad yeah and probably will not see it other than it's bad and there's other people who I believe we both are in, where it's like we want this to be better, but we're not gonna we're not gonna think it's gonna go from like a five out of ten to an eight out of ten. Like this is gonna be a small jump, right? Well, and, and, and yeah, and honestly, it was largely a curiosity thing. I mean, neither yeah, of sure. us like. I don't think either of us likes a majority of Snyder's films. He or is, thinks yeah. highly of them. I like him more as a person sure, than I do more his, as a his director. filmography, yes. and especially as of late, he's kind of been, you know, with BVS kind of on a downward mm-hmm. turn. So I think yeah. both of us were maybe kind of thinking, you know, I would love for this to surprise me. Mm-hmm. Do I think it will? Ah, hard to say, but I'm going to watch because I'm invested. Yeah, it's <laughs> also the fact that, like, in two months, which we will also talk about this, Snyder has a Netflix original that's coming out that apparently yeah. Netflix believes in so much they're making an animated prequel to it as if it's like Train to Busan or something. <laughs> right, right. So it's like Snyder is fine. Snyder really doesn't have to do the Snyder cut. He will be okay. But I think I mean he I think they were talking about I mean Deborah did an interview and talked about the film and I think with a lot with Zach once you know the tragedy and like they'd kind of figure a way to kind of live life differently and also just kind of go back to some sense of normalcy 
uh, which can never go back to normal after that. But yeah. like just like kind of live life day by day. Zach started or Snyder started to figure out like I think I could I would want to do this again. I wonder yeah. if WB would let me do this. And I think WB now in terms of the DC films, they are confident enough that they feel like, yeah, we'll put this out. Like we're not going to do any more Snyder type films. We have another Wonder Woman film that's in development. Aquaman two is in development. Yeah. They're going to do a Blue Beetle film. I mean, they just announced this week that there's a Zatanna film. Right. Who <laughs> it's like who is Zatanna? Uh, she is a powerful sorceress in the DC universe, and it's like, well, if this isn't because of WandaVision, I don't know what is. <laughs> but, but she dresses like a stage magician. Yeah, she dresses dress like a magician. She dresses because... like Wanda in, what, episode three? It's episode two. <laughs> yeah, episode it, two. yeah, yeah. But it's like, yeah, they are in a point where it's like they feel like they are confident enough with the creators that they have behind it. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a Shazam 2 and a Black Adam film. <laughs> Yeah. Which are both... Black Adam feels like the movie we've been hearing about for 10 years and still have yet to see anything concrete. Yeah, and they're, and it's, they're just... I mean, and even then, when you hear about what those films are trying to do, it's like, these just feel like these are just going to be train wrecks, but oh, you're so right, confident right. about it, yeah. and it's like, okay, Oh, I'm just down. just today, I think Pierce Brosnan was announced to be joining Black Adam. Of course As Dr. Fate. Oh, wow. That's actually... <laughs> I just read that, That actually. is not a bad... Cho- oh, my... I didn't know that. Yeah. That's a good choice. Oh my god! I I hope that. Or, movie sorry, isn't... this was several days ago that this news came out because you know yeah. we record live on yeah, Saturdays. Yeah, we always we always record live. Um, but yeah, this film is is an experience. I will say I did not have a bad time watching this movie. Oh no, I, mean, I enjoyed the is... experience. Yeah. Socially. Yes. And from a kind of experiential standpoint yeah we watched this we watched this with friends the lights were turned off we had alcohol we had food we just made this an event we gave ourselves yeah. an intermission like well, almost... we, yeah we have so much interest in this beyond what's actually on the screen you know i mean it's yeah, just interesting absolutely. to see what came of this whole fiasco yeah and I mean, how it works it's just so weird that it's out we've seen what it's supposed to be and the fact that, like, I think a lot of this film and a lot of people love this film to a degree because the fact that, like, in terms of cinematic experiences in the last year, obviously we haven't had a lot. Yeah, it's certainly one of the most grandiose things yeah. to come out in the past year. I it's, mean, yeah. in terms of just the polish and the, you know, big budget blocks, blockbusteriness of yeah. it. And, you know. I think most people, when they think about 2021, isn't they're not going to say, oh boy, when I saw Chaos Walking, I knew <laughs> theaters were coming back with a slam. Right, right. They're going to probably talk about, like, when I saw, like... Zack Snyder's Justice League, you know, I think a lot of the diehard fans are going to say, man, I wish this was in theaters. Yeah. Which I do think a reason why it's not in theaters is because, in reality, if this film came out in a normal year, on, like, entirely four hours, I don't think this film would make its money back. Yeah. not at, I mean, not at all. Because, I mean, we talk about, like, movie theaters like films that are tight enough that they can put so many show times in a day. Yeah. Can't really do that with four-hour films. The, theaters are pretty well allergic to anything over three hours and Mm -hmm. honestly they'd prefer if you stick closer to two and a half you have to be an end game so yeah you have to be an end game to even do three hours and let alone four hours i mean like the the space between when i saw like the last time i saw a film at midnight like between that and like the other time i saw like i saw man of steel at midnight 
and then movie theaters stopped doing that. They started doing Thursday night showings, which made perfect sense. Midnight releases weren't going to work. And then Endgame, a three-hour film, was so big enough that AMC was like, let's go back. Let's do midnight releases because people are not going to go away. (laughs) And this is, even though this film is grandiose enough that it could probably try to push it marketing-wise to do that, in terms of the trajectory that the series was showing at this point, it only seemed like the film was, if it was going to make money back, it was going to make probably more money than the first Justice League cut. Maybe. But... Not enough to really warrant its release. This movie works, I think, similar to the way Wonder Woman 84 worked. We don't have to pay for it. Right. Like, we we saw it at home, and the only it's like $8.99 for not that, but for everything, including that. Yeah. And with that, it's just like, in the end, this, this film is, it gives you all the stuff that's in the first film in terms of, like, you get more context. You definitely get... More characterizations for specific characters. Yeah, for some of them. Yeah, for like, I mean, the Flash is still annoying. I don't really <laughs> think that he is really that great of a character, but I think he works, uh, he does work a bit better in Snyder's cut because in Whedon's cut, his whole thing is like he's afraid to punch people. Well, he's never been in a fight before, so he's scared to like yeah. be in a fight. And I guess you just, you just get a little more. I guess by ver- by way of exposure, you just kind of his his oddness makes more sense, feels less artificial. Yeah. Whereas in like the the Whedon cut, you know, it, it just feels like, oh, okay, we got to shoe shoehorn in a, a quirky Spider Man character, yeah. like a goofball kid. We'll we'll make brunch in the Justice League in the Whedon cut the same as shawarma in yeah. just in Avengers. But it's shocking, honestly, the amount on on that note, the amount of. Uh, humor and levity that yeah. is retained in the Snyder Cut. I, I will say this now, and I think I do now con- confidently will say this, and I believe it. Doesn't mean I love the film or genuinely yeah. like it overall. I do think this is Snyder's best DC film. Yeah. I personally think, in terms of the tone, in terms of, like, because I think it's crazy that, like, hearing that, like, Warner Brothers was so scared of a five-hour cut because it was so dour, and then you watch the four-hour cut... And the four-hour cut has some fun jokes, has some good character moments, has genuinely good emotional moments at times. And it's like, this is not BVS. This isn't Man of Steel. Like This feels weirdly like Snyder is actually yeah. evolving a bit. The uh, Yeah, um, for, for as kind of bloated as it is, its, high, it's heights, when they happen are higher than he achieved in either of his other two movies for yeah. sure. It felt like it felt like getting rid of the getting rid of the facade of grounded realism and Man of Steel and BVS yeah. gave him the freedom to actually make a superhero film that is enjoyable while also still keeping his darkness and kind of his dour tone. Yeah. And you know, and in the film and also, I think what also helps is there's no scene that kind of directly relates. Like, it's not a there's no 9/11 esque scene in this film. <laughs> yeah. Like in the last two films, there are these gigantic battle sequences that are happening in Metropolis and in Gotham Harbor and whatnot. But then in this film, the big final boss is in Russia. But even then, it's yeah. like it doesn't feel like it's trying to allude to a world tragedy people are going right. to talk about for ages. It's yeah. they use it as similar to. The Avengers finally circling up and being taken right. on New York. Well, and yeah, to to kind of expand that even more broadly, just 
in general, it seems like he's less concerned in this film with making some kind of poorly formed comment about the subject material or about or trying to make an allegory for the real world or anything. I mean, the film feels like for the first time in his DC involvement, he's just trying to make a superhero movie. Yeah. And Every... like he's doing it his way, absolutely. He's, it's a very Zack Snydery movie, but it's not laden with the same kind of like, oh, we have to put a weird twist on it, and oh, we have to make these superheroes sad about the fact that they're superheroes, and we have to make it this really kind of underbaked commentary about the real world. Yeah. It's just a Justice League movie. It's it's yeah, it's it's just And that's honestly really refreshing. It honestly it, <laughs> I mean, that's what's so weird about it is like the biggest change about this version compared to the Whedon cut is that in the Whedon cut, Cyborg as a character is basically a fax machine with legs that can shoot blasters. It yeah. is very, very little in terms of actual emotional ties to anything and yeah. in terms of an actual arc. Well, and his the way they portray I mean his his emotional state and attitude is ultimately the same as in the Snyder cut, but because in Whedon cut you have so little context and he gets so little to do, yeah. he just feels like unnecessarily angry and edgy and it's just like yeah. dude, shut up. Yeah, now but the- then you get Snyder cut and it's like, oh, yeah, this is this is really good. I get it. Absolutely I get why yeah. he's like this. Yeah, I mean, Fisher, I mean, well, the worst thing about, like, talking about Ray Fisher's Cyborg is that Fisher came out before the film came out. This cut came out and talked about, basically, that Whedon was emotionally abusing him on sets and was emotionally abusive as a director during the reshoots. And that, I believe, Jeff Johns, who's an executive producer for DC, and uh, Warner Brothers president at the time, who he's still president now, but Walter, Walter Amata, Amata, basically said that Warner Brothers let him be that way. Yeah. And basically led to a point where there was investigations happening. WB said there was no there's no there's no real evidence that this happens. All the actors support Fisher and are backing him and pretty much Snyder backs Fisher too. But it ultimately led to a point where Fisher just isn't coming back to do a DC film because of what he dealt with on the reshoot side. And after seeing Snyder cut, that is probably truly the most frustrating thing watching it is the fact that Ray Fisher is killing it in the Snyder Cut. Like, he's genuinely giving a yeah. performance that I think is really good. And also what's so great about his performance is that his performance feels like the typical Snyder protagonist, especially in a DC film where it's basically, at one point, Snyder says, Sny- I mean, one, at one point, Cyborg says, fuck the world. Yeah. And it feels like if it was Man of Steel or BVS, it would be like Snyder saying, yeah, he's right, the world sucks, you know. Right. people." We- we need gods, and right now the world's at a shit show. But like in Justice, in Just, Zack Snyder's Justice League, when he says "fuck the world," it feels like that's not what the world really is. He just needs to finally learn his place in the world, and feels like a genuine like, yeah, this isn't a dour film. Like he's yeah. like he all like Wonder Woman's like no, there is there is a there's a purpose to you. He's right. like you have a cause, and I think you know how to do this, and that was refreshing. The fact that not everyone was like, yeah, let's all be pouty and sad. Right. And, I mean, there's just Steppenwolf. I mean, he's not a yes, great villain, Steppenwolf, but he gets yeah. more time to shine. Uh, he doesn't look like ass as much. He still looks, he doesn't <laughs> yeah. look great, His but he looks better. Is, is obnoxious, but at least it's kind of interesting. I mean, he looks like, he looks like the original Steppenwolf did space steroids and covered himself in gas station novelty knives yes like, yeah okay but 
at least it's more interesting than the gray blob man that we saw in the first yeah gas station knives and all at least steppenwolf doesn't look like a mannequin with horns for a chin yeah where it's like he's so plasticky in the first he 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 just looks he just looks uninteresting he looks forgettable like they were very i mean it's very clear in whedon's cut that wb was like we do not want to do dark side anymore there's no way we want to do this at this very moment just make steppenwolf the main villain make him as forgettable as can be and just fucking throw him to the side at the end, and then we just won't talk about Apocalypse or anything like that, at least until we want to do that. Yeah. And in this one, I mean, Steppenwolf has a purpose. I mean, he has he has a personal goal. He has an overall professional goal in terms of being yeah. a world conqueror, but at the same time, he wants to basically impress Darkseid and help him. Right. Well, not to, you know, lay too much praise on the character you know he does at least have scenes where you feel like oh he's struggling with something emotionally or he's you know he's trying to prove himself and Mm -hmm. it's like that is at least you know bare minimum compelling yeah again not a good villain i wouldn't say no most of his scenes in the first three hours of the film are just my lord we're trying to find the mother right, boxes, right. but I can't smell them quick enough. Yeah, but then and it's but like then, that's all he does yeah. for a good chunk of it, and but then you kind of get this picture painted of him as this kind of pathetic lackey trying to prove himself to yes. his his you know overlord, and like that's at least kind of minimally fun and interesting. Yeah, and like okay, at least I know he cares about something. Mm-hmm. And again. I mean, we're trying. We're talking about the good stuff to a degree now because yeah, we got yeah, on the roll, but also because, I mean, you've listened. If you've listened to the other two episodes, you know that there's going to be a point where we talk about the shit in this film that isn't great. <laughs> well, and I think it's yeah, it's worth bringing up that it's it's interesting because yeah, we're we're laying out kind of all the positives right now, and that those positives are largely uh, relative to the theatrical mm. cut, which I think a lot of you know, obviously, if people are loving this movie, that's awesome. Super happy for Zach that he got it out. Super happy for the fans that they got what they wanted. Um, but it's I think a lot of the discussion is kind of stopping at, oh, it's better. I mean, even individual elements of the film, it's like, oh, this is so much better than what it was in the theatrical. It's like, yes, but, like, are we really going to – are we not going to stop and look at it on its own merits? And I think the pro- the issue with that is I don't think you really can because I think a lot of people who watch this are watching this solely because they saw the cut in 2017. Yeah. They either hated it or forgot it, and now they're at a point where they're like, oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, maybe this is going to be better. And then you watch it, and, and sure enough, sure enough, it's better. Even though I don't think anyone can be truly objective about that, but like yeah, I, I think yeah. I think to a degree there are some objective elements in terms of character development and pacing. In, el- in areas where it's like, yeah, it is better in er- in places. Yeah. But the issue is with the film is a lot of the good stuff in that, in the film, are just almost are momentary. It's moment to moment. It's yeah. not consistently good. Right, right. And part of that is, I think, kind of baked in because of its length and excess. Uh, you know, I think pretty much every scene in the film could be shorter. Or not there at all, and I think that's a that's a persistent problem throughout. So yeah, it's definitely like there are little moments here and there where I'm like, 
okay, that was really cool. I like that. And then 20 seconds go by, and it's like, okay, why are we still doing this same thing? Can, mm-hmm. we, can we move on to the next thing? It's not as cool anymore. It's just astounding to watch the Snyder Cut thinking. Like, to me, I was like, this film is two hours longer. The story has to be different. The story yeah. isn't really different. The, yeah. the the big beats that these weeding cut does are the same big beats in the Snyder Cut. It just takes two hours longer to get to a lot yeah. of those beats. It's the same story, just with more details folded in and also just a lot more kind of filler, for lack of a better word. I the, mean the first part of the film is just mainly a lot of what happens in the Weeding Cut, just momentary scenes getting five minutes longer. Yeah being way too long like in the whedon cut in terms of like you meet aquaman you see wonder woman you get wonder woman's initial like introduction at a bank robbery kind mm-hmm. of scene and introducing the flash which i will say in the whedon cut has nothing compared to what they do in the snyder <laughs> cut because the snyder cut his introduction is wild in a good way and it's also creepy but <laughs> i and guess you long. can't really yeah it's, it's too <laughs> long as well but, like, basically, you, you go into Snyder Cut thinking, like, oh, I remember, like, there's the Mother Boxes stuff, and there's this, and they end up in Russia. It's got to be different, right? And you watch it, and you go, no, it's the same. Yeah. It's just now six parts in an epilogue. <laughs> and But the difference, the big difference is there's just more development in a lot of the stuff that people didn't like, like, in terms of character arcs and whatnot, are changed in the Snyder Cut. However... I don't think those changes automatically, like you said, make them great. Right. I mean, one of the biggest issues in the Snyder Cut is it is a Justice League film that is practically introducing the majority of the members of the Justice League because they don't have their own film. Yeah. Like, Cyborg is great because he's supposed to be the main character. And he is the main character in the film. A lot of the emotional moments that work are tied to his arc as a origin story. However... We also have to introduce Aquaman and Atlantis and how Atlantis does their stuff, which Atlantis looks like ass. It looks murky as hell, and I don't understand why. I guess that was like, I guess that's the Snyder stuff that just kind of stayed. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I feel like pretty much everything with Atlantis could have been entirely cut out of the film. Yeah. Flash is fun. His his powers are the best part about his character because his character overall is basically Barry, you have to find something to do. And then he, Batman finds him and gives him something to do. Uh, Wonder Woman's arc is there's I, Wonder Woman. Yeah, I don't think she has. A, she's she's literally just there to deliver exposition and have kind of cool action. Which is funny because that is exactly how Whedon used it, used her in his cut. Yeah, and well, it's kind of ridiculous that like right, and that's that's kind of something that's pervasive throughout the whole movie. Is I, I think. I'm not I'm not seeing online a lot of uh admittal that a lot of this movie's problems are the same problems that the Whedon cut had. Oh, definitely which are. which yeah. means that those weren't problems with Whedon's changes. Those were problems with the inherent story. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, for sure. And and I think Wonder Woman is definitely an example of that. I think Batman is an example of that. He's incredibly uninteresting and ba- doesn't Batman's do much. Batman's arc in Whedon's cut is almost hilariously symbolic of Ben Affleck's interest in the DCEU. <laughs> yeah. Where in the Whedon cut, Affleck is Batman's basically like, "You guys are too powerful. Like I'm just a dude that shoots like yeah. grappling hooks." He's basically and stuff. like trying to retire. Yeah, and it's like, uh, excuse me, 
Batman, you're Batman. Yeah. Like, you're the reason. Aren't you, like, aren't you like neurotically, yeah. you know, compelled to do this until you die? You're the, you're the guy who can't do anything but do this to the point where you make contingencies on how to take out other Justice League yeah, yeah, yeah. if they go bad. Like, that's the kind of person you are, and you're telling me you want to chicken out right. before the step. Why is... But then you watch the Zach, the Snyder Cut, and you think it's better. In all honesty, his motivation is mainly... I made a promise to Superman, but it doesn't go any farther than that. Yeah, the weird thing is Batman with Batman's arc and Snyder Cut, it's kind of a two a double-edged sword because on the one hand it's like it's less tiring and annoying because you don't see you don't have a Batman who is actively trying to not be Batman anymore or yeah. an actor who's trying not no. to be Batman anymore. But on the other hand, you know, at least that was some sort of character trajectory. And in this, in Snyder Cut, he has essentially none. No. He's basically Batman for the last ten minutes of Batman v Superman stretched out over four hours of this movie. He doesn't change any, really, from the end of Batman v Superman. The big three have very little to do. It's just really weird to see a film where there is six members. Well, Aquaman, too. He doesn't no. have a whole lot to do. It's no, really no, Cyborg yeah. and Flash. It's Cyborg and are Flash. Are the takeaways. In terms of interest, it goes from Cyborg, Flash. Huge drop off. Yeah, Batman because it's Ben Affleck and it's before he started losing interest. Henry Cavill because Henry Cavill is getting closer to at least a decent Superman. Yeah, he, he gets to, to play in the kind of classic Superman ballpark. Yeah, and then Wonder Woman is there because it's like she's there, but at least her fight sequence has some very fun comic booky stuff where she's like insanely fast with yeah. the, the bullet the bullet dodging stuff is just really fun <laughs> on a silly but like a comic booky way. Yeah. And then Aquaman is just there. Like in all honesty, I was curious about because we talked about a lot of the jokes that are in the Whedon cut. The ones that are honestly the most obnoxious are obviously the reshoots because Warner Brothers is like, we need something more laugh out loud. Yeah. But the one in Whedon that they had, that he had for Aquaman, which is when he sits on the lasso of truth, and oh, he starts yeah. like, that honestly is one that I kind of wish was not in a the bad bit. It was yeah. kind of in the Snyder Cut because Aquaman, like Aquaman's best bit in the film is like, at a moment Flash is talking to Aquaman, and Aquaman's like, he just lost his father, and he like he lost his mother. Like, we got to be sympathetic. He's he's learning how to be himself. This mm-hmm. sucks. And Flash is like, I thought you didn't like him, and he goes, I didn't say that. Yeah. This is the most character Aquaman really gets. Yeah. Besides that, it's the typical, like, you are destined for the throne. Yeah. You must take on your brother, your and, half-brother, Aurum. Yeah. And all, all of that is done in subplot scenes that don't relate at all to the rest of the movie. Here's so the, here's, it's, it's like yeah. Thor in Age of Ultron. He's got to go do a, do a little subplot run, mm. get his thing in, and then yeah. come back to the main movie. Part one of this fucking film is so boring. It's so useless and long in terms of the overarching. You could genuinely cut half of this part. Yeah. Because the first hour of the film is almost the first hour of Whedon's cut, except longer, more abrasive at times, Yeah. more slow-mo than you really need. <sighs> like, the whole fight on Themyscira with Steppenwolf, it's longer it's fine, but it's also like, okay, when is this going to be done? And then when that's done, they have a whole scene where they shoot an arrow at an Amazon <laughs> yeah. at an Amazon memorial, and that scene feels like it takes ten we minutes. We follow the arrow like all the way across the globe. Yeah, we watch it for like 
five minutes as it makes its way to its landing point. There's a whole scene where Aquaman goes to Atlantis and finds, like, the old king of Atlantis, like, in his, like, in skeleton form. And then Willem Dafoe in an awful wig shows up and basically... Is like here. I'm here to set up the Aquaman movie. I did not particularly useless. like uh, Willem Dafoe's design in the Aquaman movie, but it is so I, much better. I love it now. <laughs> I love it now. This is what the original design was. Yeah. At least in the in the actual film, it's like oh, you're giving Willem Dafoe something, I right. guess, design wise. Well, as in this one, it's like we'll put he's him in just bulky, Jason Momoa, but he's Willem Dafoe. We'll put him in bulky armor and long hair, but he's like a foot shorter. Mm. It's or at like, least he oh, looks do like all it. Atlanteans look like Jason Momoa. <laughs> yeah, and then like all the the fight stuff in Atlantis, it's like again, it was one of the worst parts I think in the the Whedon cut of Justice League. I think it's pretty rough in this one too, where it's like there are some cheeky little moments where it's like you know Amber Heard uses her like water powers oh, to yeah, kind of pull, yeah, yeah. but like overall because it's like. It looks like green, murky lake water for the majority yeah. of it. It's just not a fun visual. Yeah. And then, like, when Amber Heard talks to Jason Momoa, she has this faux British-English accent Ugh, that is very yeah. silly that she drops in Aquaman for good reason. Like, here's the thing, too, is I don't love Aquaman, but I couldn't help but watch these Atlanta scenes and go, man, thank God James Wan directed that. And just didn't care about what this film does because... The fact that they have to talk via air bubbles oh, ju- yeah. is stupid. And she's, she's the only one who can do that, right? Yes, because she has powers. <laughs> it's stupid. I think maybe Willem Dafoe does a tiny one, mm. but I think it's mainly her because she can she can suck water. She can manipulate she, the water, yeah. Which was that was probably the best part of the Atlantis fight is she sucks moisture out of Steppenwolf's oh, yeah, face. That was gross. She like pulled yeah. blood out of his eyes. Yeah. This film is unrated or rated R. It's so rated like, R. It's rated R, and so you get some you get some gory moments. If you ever wanted to see a Green Lantern get slaughtered, you definitely get that in this yeah. film. Or people, Batman saying fuck. That's I guess. Aside Something. from the yeah, aside from the vulgarity in the very last scene of the movie, and a couple times where a superpowered being kills like a human, like when Wonder Woman's throwing guys around in the bank and smashing their heads against the wall. <laughs> I other, forgot about other like, than like, like ragdolling to a wall and then like grape jelly on the back. Other than like those kind of two instances, I'm honestly, I feel like this movie didn't really, I guess in a good way, didn't lean as hard into its R rating as I thought it would. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, the, most of the rest of the gore, per se, or the, the carnage is, like, super cgi you know, sweeping battles, people getting cut by axes, and you don't really see anything. I mean, there's, like, simulated blood, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like you're seeing intimate viscera or anything. Um, so I'm, I was a little surprised and yeah. impressed at Snyder's restraint in this movie with the violence and with a lot of other things. Yeah. Um, not the length or the uh, slow-mo, obviously, but other things. It just, it has, I mean, it, it also, we haven't really talked about it much. In the Whedon cut, they uh, they amp up the saturation tenfold. Yeah. It, is, it is a film that, obviously, the, the, the costumes, the set design, everything was not built to be super colorful. So when you see the Whedon cut... It's very noticeable in the in just the film in general that this wasn't supposed yeah. to be like, you know, popping reds, bright blues, you know, gorgeous greens. Wow. Yeah. 
And then you see the Snyder cut, and it's like, I get it, you don't want to do an overly candy-looking, saturated film, (laughs) but this film just doesn't look good. Yeah. It doesn't, it's just like the color palette, the color grading, it's so muted. Snyder cut? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. so muted to an obnoxious degree. I, I would say both the, I, these, both versions are like equally ugly for the opposite reason. I would agree with that, yeah. Um, I, I had this, like, it just felt the whole time during Snyder cut, like, my eyes were waiting to adjust to the picture, and then I would start seeing color. You know, kind of like oh, when yeah. you close your eyes on a sunny day and then you open them and everything's kind of like washed out and bluish gray. Because that's how this, it, yeah, this film, it, this film looks washed out. The film is almost black and white at times. <laughs> and then yeah. you see fire and it's like, oh, there's orange. There's some color. Yeah. But like pretty much every color besides orange is very washed out. It's like acid washed jeans. Yeah. The movie in terms of just like yeah. weirdly like, that's not supposed to be gray, yeah. but that looks gray. That jacket's supposed to be red, (laughs) but it's like a gray maroon. That looks weird. That looks weird. Okay. And also... Weirdly enough, the only exceptions to that are like certain CGI elements, which just makes the CGI elements look more fake because they don't blend in with the real elements. I believe, doesn't the flashback sequence at least have a little bit more, a little bit saturation? The sequence where they do the fight of, the fight of men, Amazons, and Atlanteans against Dark Side. Yeah, well, they they have, like, all these different races of being, they have, like, Green Lanterns, and, like, the Uh the Green Lantern ring is bright green blowing off the screen. And that guy gets his hand cut off, and I'm pretty sure the blood's, like, almost 300 color. It's like, good lord. But then you get back to... Diana Prince telling this story in with the with the amount of enthusiasm as someone who has been awake for seventy two hours straight, <laughs> um, and it's it's after that you see this it just it, it it's just so many things where it's like oh I hope they make Cyborg look a bit better Cyborg still his design looks stupid yeah he looks dumb and he also has a weird dead shot mask that he <laughs> barely uses yeah. And it's like, why does he have a mask if he's not going? And also, it's like, so you can have yeah. a cool, yeah. like Iron Man moment where it goes over his mm-hmm. face. <laughs> In the Whedon cut, it was funny that like the times where it was obvious they didn't want to animate Cyborg's body, they put a bulky jacket over him. Yeah, and you think, oh, just a hoodie. They, yeah, they can't be in the Snyder cut. Same in the Snyder Cut, there are just scenes where he's just wearing, like, a Gotham City University tracksuit because it's easier (laughs) to put that on him than just, like, animating him. Yeah. And it's like... like Raphael in the trench coat. Yeah. And it's also just, like... I mean, there there is cooler stuff in this movie. I do think the third act is a lot better. Yeah, well, yeah, there's certainly a lot more kind of interesting moments in, like, the the finale fight. This is this is a this is another YouTube movie. This isn't exactly like yeah. on, and you what's funny is this film has barely been out for a week and if you just look up certain sequences that were in the film like the best sequences yeah. in the Snyder cut, you can find them in probably 4K yeah. on YouTube because it's like most people are going to be honest even if they like this film they're not going to consistently watch a 4-hour film, <laughs> especially when the first hour is just set up that no one cares about. Yeah. Like, when they get... I mean, Batman's not in the cowl until two hours in. <laughs> that's just funny. I'm not yeah. saying that's a good or bad thing. I just think it's funny that Batman is not Batman. He's just Bruce Wayne for two hours. Right. And then he's in the cowl. And then it's like, oh, okay, there he is. Yeah. I guess we're good. It's uh, it's just... It's a weird thing to talk about um, efficiency 
in film because yeah. film being an art form, you know, you don't think of efficiency as a necessarily a primary uh, goal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about expression. It's about conveying an idea or a feeling and efficiency to some extent can take away from that artistic expression. But this movie just feels like any, any positive feeling it creates or any, you know, great moment it accomplishes could have been done surrounded by so much less filler. It could have yeah. been done in a shorter amount of time. So many much better movies uh, attempting a similar kind of experience do this movie in half the time. Absolutely. And it's just one of those things that, like, this is this movie is just... I've ne- I don't think I've ever seen a movie where I finished it and thought that was inefficient filmmaking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like a lot of like, the... This is very roundabout yeah. storytelling. Yeah, there's no real good, like, equation in terms of what is a great runtime. When in reality, no, it depends yeah. on... It depends exactly on the story you're telling. Yeah, and it's also, like, a lot of the reasons why people say, you know, 90 minutes and two hours are the ideal is mainly because of critical responses, you know, marketing, studios pushing oh, yeah. this. Because, like... Films, I mean, we got to tell you, one of the highest grossing films of all time with inflation, Gone with the Wind, is long as shit. Yeah. Because it it's like it depends on the eras. And I think, especially now, because, again, there used to be an era, like, before superhero films became bigger and bigger and longer and longer, where there were films that were two, two and a half hours, and people would just criticize them because it's like... Yeah. That's too long. Yeah. But then we're at a time now where Endgame is out, and people have seen Endgame. There's some people who've probably seen Endgame ten times, and that's 30 hours. Oh, yeah. So it's like, in terms of a good runtime, I'm not saying a film being four hours is... It's, it's, not, objecti- inherent, it's not inherently it's a not bad It's not inherently thing. bad. However, when I watch a film like the Snyder Cut and Go, there is at least 30 to 45 minutes you could have cut, and I think this would be better. Yeah, I would say I would say 30 to 45 you should have cut, yeah. and an hour to an hour and a half that you could have cut. When people who <laughs> like this film say, like, yeah, this film should have been three hours, that says a lot. Yeah. Where it's, like, people who are praising this film and saying, like, you should see this, there is still that, like, that connective tissue between people who don't like it and do like it, where it's, like, yeah, four hours was excessive yeah it was it it was excessive because you you could do it that's how that there's a lot of elements in this film where it's like oh you did that slow-mo because you could do it right you put this scene with the joker and batman at the very end (laughs) because you could do it yeah it's not because it was good for the story it was because you felt in any way yeah you it was because you asked for the money they gave you the money you wanted to do it you wanted at least one time for a bad joker to talk to a to your batman and then you did it Yep. And it's one of the worst scenes in the film. Uh, and it should be the cut. worst. It is the worst. Yeah, you know what? Fuck it. It's the worst scene <laughs> in the movie. Because this because this film, to a good point, it's like we're watching this film and in all the advertising there is good there are good chunks of moments where you see the nightmare world, which we talked about in Batman v Superman, where it's like, oh, it's it's the what if Superman was bad and had a Gestapo and teamed up with Darkseid. Yeah, and it's becomes like, a fascist overlord. It's like, ooh, what is that going to be? And in Justice League, you do get somewhat of an explanation <laughs> as to what it is if you're a nerd. In, ter- in, in terms of if you know the comics where it's like they introduce the anti-life equation but don't explain really what that does to people. Yeah. You see a possibility of what leads up to the Nightmare Universe, but you don't the only time you get the nightmare universe is when you're three hours and like 55 minutes in. Yeah. And the actual story is already over. Yeah. 
And it's all just so Joker can be like, who's going to give you a reach around? And it's like, why? <laughs> that why? was, even for Zack Snyder, why? that was so out of left field. The reach yeah. around comment. Yeah, and it's also the fact that like it was, it, it was, it, it was introducing a film that I don't care about. And I in all honesty. Believe, I want to believe that was a Jared Leto ad lib. That yeah, wouldn't surprise me. Here's... After his performance yeah. in The Little Things, I would yeah. 100% believe oh that was he's... a Jared Leto improv. Ah, he's so awful in The Little Things. Good God. In terms of, like, again, similar to run times, world building is not inherently bad, and oh, there's no such thing as... world can be a wonderful thing. Yeah, but it's about how you implement and execute this world building. This Snyder Cut's world building is mainly just slowing down the film. Yeah. Is is it building out the world? Yes. But if it feels like it's building out the world by pulling the emergency brake and letting you sit there for five minutes yeah. and then you can drive normally again, yeah. what's the point of doing that? Or like, when it's like actively undermining a good scene that just happened, like yeah. the Martha and Lois Lane oh conversation God, that, that is, is so... abruptly kind of... 180 on when it turns yeah. out Martha Kent was Martian Manhunter the whole time. Yeah, outside of the fact that like there is another Justice League character in here called Martian Manhunter. He is a alien who goes by in the comics Jean Johns, which I will always love that name. Yeah. Not he to is be confused with Jean Valjean. Not Jean Valjean. No, no Hugh Jackman in this film. But Martian, yeah, yeah, with damn shape. Uh, Martian Manhunter is a Justice League, a very notable Justice League member. He is a wonderful superhero. He is very much like similar to Superman, a very just, a very noble person. And the film not only introduces Martian Manhunter in the most wacky way possible, <laughs> they also introduce that Martian Manhunter has been here the entire time playing a character that was in the first two films, which is basically like a staff, like a an army military general who met Superman and Man of Steel, who was basically with the president and Batman v Superman. And he could have helped, but didn't. And it seems hilarious that at the very end of the film, they just have him go, hi, I'm Martian Manhunter. You guys seem pretty cool. I want to be a part of the team. And it's like, Batman's like, sure, man. Tired, scrawny Batman (laughs) goes, can I help you? Like Batman, who, I didn't notice this at first. It wasn't until closer inspection that this is obviously Bruce. This is obviously Ben Affleck now because oh, yeah, he just this was not, shot recently. This was shot recently because he looks older in general. I'm not saying he looks bad. He just oh, yeah. he just looks older. And Ben Affleck, as Bruce, just comes out and sees a creature he's never seen before, and just goes, "Yeah, sure, you can be on the team." We'll, he we, literally we help you. nonchalantly goes, "Can I help you?" Yeah. It's like, oh, come on. We know you're Batman. We know you've met Superman. We know you know aliens exist. But, like, you, you, you should be a little more impressed. You could still be like, give me just give me a weird wince or, like, yeah. a raised eyebrow. Give me, like, that DreamWorks eyebrow. Yeah. And then you can be like, that's it. Or, yeah. But no, no one. The world building in this film just feels like I don't care about Aquaman's world because you're shoving it in my mouth. Yeah. I don't really care about uh, Ryan Choi as the Atom. Because you keep throwing him into scenes that he is just there just because you want him. You just want to make a film. Yeah. You want to make a film for China in the future. And you so you decide, let's introduce Ryan Choi. Who I'm not saying the guy as an actor is bad in the film. He's no, not bad in no, the film. But no. as a character, it's just like they put a lot of emphasis on him. It feels very similar to um, Felicia Hardy in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Where it's like, it's I'm, like, just, I'm in oh. the room because you'll see me in a possible film. And it's yeah. like, no... No, I'm not like, doing anything that yeah. sets up that. 
like, I just exist and I have that name. Like Marvel's world, isn't that exciting? Like Marvel's world building works because it just either comes out subtly or it comes out. It, it well, makes yeah, sense for the narrative or it's after credit stuff. Yeah, I, either it works in furthering your interest in the narrative slash lends itself to the themes and plot of the movie, or if it doesn't do that, it stays out of the way. They do it in background or throwaway lines yeah. or stuff that's happening on the side of the screen or something like or after credits. Yeah. You know? I still remember in 2008 when I'm watching Iron Man, and as someone who knows what S.H.I.E.L.D. is but doesn't know what the acronym is, when Coulson basically is like, he's been in the film for a decent amount in the th- yeah. second to third act, and he's talking to Pepper Potts and is like, and she's like, oh, the strategic homeland one. She's like, that's a mouthful. Yeah, and Coulson goes, we prefer to call it S.H.I.E.L.D., as a kid, I lost my mind. I was like, holy shit, oh, that makes sense. But you know what's great about it in the film? They don't make a big deal about it. They go right to the finale. Yeah, it's No just, one cares. That's it. Yeah. No, it, but you care, but it makes sense in the world because it, they have been a part yeah. of the world so and far. It just makes some more that's context. That's an example of staying out of yeah. the way. Nick Fury, it's very clear that the Martian Manhunter scene is almost similar to Nick Fury and Iron Man, where it's like... You're seeing a character you haven't seen on screen in a while or ever whoa. before. And you're supposed to go, whoa. But, yeah. like, even if you knew going into it or didn't hear about all the news about, you know, Martian Manhunter was going to be in the film, he just comes out of nowhere and they don't give enough characterization for him. Yeah. Well, it's just so, yeah. His reveal at the end is deflated because yeah. we've already seen him in the film. Yeah. But when we saw him earlier in the film, it had nothing to do with the rest of the movie. No. So it was like, I don't care about this guy. I, yeah. In fact, I actively want him out of this movie because he's taken away from Yeah, me. He shows up 90 minutes in and has no real context as to why he's there. And then in four hours, he shows up again. Yeah, I feel like it would have been just that much cooler to not have him in the main part of the movie. And then at the end, when when tired Ben Affleck wakes up to somebody floating in his window he in like his, thinks it's superman i mean his cg lake house yeah his cg glass house yeah um <laughs> he, he wakes up and like maybe he he looks and he's he's obscured by the sun and he thinks he's superman he goes clark and the yeah. dude floats down and it's not clark at all it's a big green dude and yeah. you're like what but it it's very clear that again it's excessive for excessive sakes because he knows yeah, yeah. excessive sake because Snyder. yeah well not only that he knows which Anyone who watched this should have known, which we kind of already knew. I mean, we both kind of already knew. There is not going to be another Snyder film. This is the last one. This is going to be the last one because DC now has other plans where not only are they going to do other films that are about other characters. They're basically doing like solo films with no intention of doing team-ups for a while. Now that they have HBO Max, they're also thinking of probably doing like what Disney Plus is doing with Marvel, where they right. have TV shows for other heroes. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? Sure. I mean, that's fine, because it's, it's, it's very obvious I don't think Snyder would be down for that. Right. Where it's like, no, I want to do my Justice League 2 and 3, where they don't take place in a universe that matters, and yeah. it's entirely what if, and it's like... Sure, those ideas, I'm not saying are bad. This is coming from a guy who loves the Injustice games. I'm not great at them, but I enjoy the storylines sure. that they do, especially the second one. But, like, I like those because they are they have their own grippy narrative. They are doing their own thing, and they're not trying to do a faux sense of, like, you want to be invested in this. I'm invested in this because I know they're trying to do something new. Yeah, and they're not forcing something down my throat before. It's not like there was an injustice zero 
where it was a normal universe, and I was like, oh, could you imagine if the other games weren't in this universe? Right, right. It's like, no, I don't care. Like, what Justice League 2 and 3 are doing, or what he wanted to do for 2 and 3, which is fucking wild, now that we know that, like, Justice League 3 was going to introduce Clark Kent and uh, Lois Lane's child as to be the next Batman. Yeah. Which is wonderful, you know, wonderfully hilarious. And uh, basically, I mean, if you haven't heard, Justice League 2 is basically going to be in the Nightmare Universe. Aquaman and Wonder Woman are dead. <laughs> um, and the whole second film is basically going to have, like, Superman as an antagonist while they try to figure out how to make Flash go back in time. Yeah. To do the Lois is the key. It's... Which, there's uh, another thing. Lois Lane in this version is still just as boring Ugh. and could have been cut out entirely. What, you weren't and... riveted by seeing her buy coffee twice? Listen, I don't like the scene in the Whedon cut where it's like, God, like, are you are you still sick of doing puff pieces about puppies while all these men mansplain you yeah, about certain a things? It's a bad scene. But it, then you watch Snyder Cut's version of Lois and it's like, I'm just so sad without my man. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's a pregnancy test in her, in her drawer. I wonder if she's going to take it. <laughs> and it's like, I don't care. You have Amy Adams. And again, you're giving her nothing to do yeah like it's it's i mean it makes more sense in the snyder cut in terms of why lois shows up during the superman fight because they actually do establish snyder seems to know how to do setups and payoffs in this film where like she just constantly yeah constantly drinks coffee and goes to the superman memorial and basically pays her respects and then goes on and just either is sad in her apartment or just, you know, cries somewhere. Right. And then it turns out, you know, like during the Superman fight, it's happening in early days where she usually would be there. And she shows up. And it makes sense. Yeah. But, like, that's – she's only there to basically be like, Superman, this is your goal. I'm here because I'm your girl and you need me. And it's like, that's not a real romance. Yeah. That's just kind of gross well, and, like, weirdly underdeveloped yeah. and – and it's just that much more uninteresting because over the previous two DC movies, or the previous two Snyder DC movies, we don't really ever get that moment of, like, where we're convinced of how great they are together and yeah. how much they mean to each other. Oh, God, no. I mean, Man of Steel, she kind of just thinks he's hot, and then they get together at the end in the 9-11 Ground Zero, and then in BVS, she's just... <sighs> Kind of an idiot the whole time. They always say it goes downhill after the first kiss. <laughs> yeah. Never forget that that line was said while there was rubble and dead bodies practically yep. nearby them, somewhere yeah. in one way. Yeah, and it's so so it's just like when you see her here just kind of going through these motions of just constant grief, it's like, okay, I might care if you had taught me to care in the previous movies. Yeah, but there just wasn't enough there, so we need to get her off the screen right now because I don't care. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's it's also kind of bizarre too when you watch Lois and you watch Superman and you see the Flash and you kind of realize, especially if you're someone who's watched more than just the DC films, like while the DC shows go way too long and their seasons are always bloated all the way down to obnoxious, just being straight up obnoxious. Like I've been watch I I was curious after just like Snyder cut I started watching clips of they have a Lois and Clark show that they yeah. have right now. Yeah. And you know what? The guy they have for Superman, I understand what they see in him. Mm -hmm. Lois has like that snippy kind of like snappy like you know, yeah. not really hostile but very, you know, intelligent and very assertive attitude. Right. And again, like 
The Flash is now a part of is a show that I, I gave up on seasons ago. But at least <laughs> when I see Grant Gustin, I, I think of there are moments that like they actually gave him something to do and actually made him a genuine character in that show, even though it's gone on for too long, and then you watch the Snyder Cut and it's like they have they have a limited amount of time to do this and you could make them interesting and maybe fix some of the issues that other iterations have tried. And instead, Ezra Miller's performance is still just not great. Amy Adams is just there. And while Henry Cavill, I think, is better in this film, I think it's solely because you don't force him to brood all the time and he can just kind of be like, well, I'm here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can I kick some ass? I'm going to do something. (laughs) It's just like, cool. Like, it's fine. Like, it's the characters in this film are not well-dimensional. They're they're not third-dimensional. They're not that well-defined, except for Cyborg. It's like, yeah, Cyborg... Like, Silas has more development. (laughs) His father has more development than all the other superheroes. Cyborg and kind of Flash got boosts in this movie, and everybody else just... Like, I don't know how those were the only two that got any, you know, development. Like, it's like, I... I, I, Everybody gets more screen time, but only two people really get more substance. Like, it's weird to watch Wonder Woman and and Snyder Cut and be like... Was she in BVS solely because Warner Brothers told you to do it? Yeah. Like, because you see her in Warner, you see her in BVS, and you're like, oh, they're doing a Wonder Woman movie, right? And they do. I mean, they have a Wonder Woman movie. I honestly still think that Wonder Woman movie is probably the best DC the best film DC we've film. gotten yeah. so far. And then you see Justice League, and it's just like, man, it reminds me of that man I fell in love with in 2017's <laughs> Wonder Woman, and it's like. Yep. Did Patty tell you not to do anything? Do you just not want to do anything with Wonder Woman? There's only one woman on this team, and she's one of the weakest characters. Yeah, and it's not, it's and, a it, shame. and it's definitely not because Gal Gadot's performances, because they obviously give right. her a lot to do in her films. If she does them well, is a different story. But in terms right. of like, they give her character development in both of her both her Wonder Woman films. Like it's. Not a hard thing to do to give a character that. I mean, Flash has a, I still think, a pretty damn beautiful scene where he's supposed to be, like, the like it's going to finish his arc as a character. And while the scene is beautiful visually, and I think the music, it's the one time the music actually works. Gosh, the work, the yeah. music is so bad. The score movie. is so forgettable. But, like, in that scene, I thought about it, and I was like, this is beautiful. I'm not going to forget this scene. This might be one of my favorite scenes. But why is that the finale to his arc? Like right. his his whole is like I'm doing something now, Dad. Regardless of I'm going back into the past. And it's like, yeah. oh, okay. It's also just right. so sudden. Cool. It's cool. one of those. Yeah, it's just so sudden too. Yeah. It's like it's a great moment in a vacuum, and it's like as you're watching the scene, you're like, yeah, wow, this is firing on all cylinders. I'm feeling attached to this. This yeah. is really cool. But how did we get here? This just this came out of nowhere. Yeah. The score... there, there's a very tiny setup that I actually completely missed earlier in the film. Tell me about it. Maybe I did too. The uh the so, okay, so the scene where they're trying to ignite the mother box to revive Superman. Yeah. They're in like the liquid chamber. Oh, you mean when he pulls it back? Yeah, he's yeah, like yeah, sprinting yeah, yeah. and he's he like overshot it or he's yeah, or he's not there yet. He's mm-hmm. he's trying to touch the cube at the exact right moment and he doesn't make it. So like you're watching the cube go into the water. And then suddenly it, it, goes back a little it bit, yeah. sucks back out of the water. I, and, like, I remember seeing that scene and I was like, I don't even understand what that was supposed to be. That was weird. Mm-hmm. That Was that, a, like, a, you know, a VFX screw-up or something? And then 
later in the film, you know, it's really a real. He does that on a larger scale. He yeah. basically kind of turns back. See, I time. do, I do remember that because I think when I saw in the film, I was like, "Oh, is that leading to something?" Yeah. And then when you see it, and you go, "I didn't expect it yeah, to go this it, it's far." Almost like, just oh my too god, little of a setup. Yeah, to it, set up how big it gets at the it's, end of the it's movie. Seeing, it's seeing a raindrop set up for an atom bomb payoff. Yeah, and it just, yeah. it's such a, di- it's not disjointed. It's almost, it's very whiplash. Yeah. Very whiplashy how it's just like, whoa. Well, okay. The, the fact okay. that his scene there at the end where he kind of saves the day, the the setup, the, the, the scene right before that, the kind of where everything falls apart and that's why he has to save the day. Mm-hmm is also super out of nowhere and super sudden. It's like the the Justice League is handing it to Steppenwolf. They're kicking his ass. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, I can't even remember what, what he does or dark, maybe Darkseid blows something Basically up. what happens is he the whole finale is basically Batman goes first, destroys a barrier to get them into the, the right, layer right, right. of the Bane bad guy, which is basically in a not Chernobyl-esque, like, abandoned yeah. town. and they go and they're trying to yeah. stop the and other boxes. The whole from... plan is basically Cyborg needs a lot of power to basically break up the mother the mother boxes from creating a union that will ultimately destroy Earth and bring Darkseid to the yeah. planet. And to do that, Barry is walking, is running, is walking. He's running in circles so fast that he's creating so much energy st- st- and like so much static energy that he's charging he, yeah. basically doing what they do in the superman thing except he's running instead of like him just like standing there kind of vibrating but for some reason one overachieving parademon who are the henchmen <laughs> in this film just knows how to sharpshoot the shit out of a speedster yeah. and shoots him right in the leg <laughs> and because of that basically cyborg fails they all fail, and then for a moment, they the whole world basically ends. And then Barry, who has never pushed himself this far, heals himself, and then rewrites. Basically, goes back in time. Yeah, it's basically it's like, just it's like two massive feats out of nowhere in sequence. You know, it's yeah. first he okay he gets shot, and then suddenly he learns how to heal himself. And learns mm-hmm. how to time travel in like one fell swoop. Well, I think at a moment he, I think he does say like, "Give me a, give me a couple minutes. I can, I can probably yeah, get myself yeah. back into it." Because I think he does. Like there are little moments where it's like, you see, I run really fast, and because of that, I exude so many calories. I need to eat all the time. Because right. there's that whole scene where he has a pizza in his hand, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like he talks. I mean, the whole healing regeneration thing was like, okay, I think yeah, Flash can definitely do that to a degree. But yeah, it's like when that happens, it's it immediately just goes to shit. Where it's like Flash fucks up, or fl- and then basically this fails, this fails, this fails. The world ends, and then Flash introduces what is going to be in his film because we are still getting a Flash film. I don't yeah, know how that's going to work. A Flashpoint film. Yeah, made by the directed by the same guy who did It chapters one and two. Mm-hmm. Andy Muschietti, I believe, is his yeah, name. Muschietti. Um, yeah, I hope I didn't mispronounce Something that right, like but it, it happens. Um, but they introduced the idea that basically Flash can break the time barrier and go back in time. You know, because he's so fast, he can run right, so fast, right. he can break the sound barrier, he can break the time barrier, he can, you know, he go back go, and do yeah, faster yeah. than light. Yeah, he's so fast. And he basically goes back in time, saves enough, he basically does what he was supposed to do initially, but recreates the world as he does it. 
he goes to Cyborg, he helps Cyborg, and then they save the day. Uh, in in terms of like, I mean, yeah, there's just there's just so much <laughs> here yeah. to talk about. I mean, it's just like it is crazy to see how many reoccurring actors come back in a role or something where it's like. You have David Thewlis, or is it Thewlis? Thewlis. Thewlis, who played Ares in, in 2017's Wonder Woman. He, his likeness shows up, because it, I yeah, don't think it it's actually looks like him. a CG model of him. Yeah, because, well, he usually has a hand, he just has a helmet on for the yeah. majority of it. But he plays Ares in a flashback where you see gods, humans, Atlanteans, Amazonians right. fight against when Darkseid was initially going to take over Earth back in, like... Fucking, I don't know, a thousand years ago? Yeah. We didn't necessarily don't know. When you basically just get all the main supports from everybody's yeah. movie. You, you know, yeah. you get Willem Dafoe and Amber Heard from Aquaman. Yeah. You get uh, Hippolyta or Hippolyta and uh, somebody else from Wonder Woman. Yeah, his, his her mom um, and a newer character, I think, the, the brunette. I don't know if she's oh, in yeah. Wonder Woman. I don't remember um but yeah i mean the thing is like justice league to a degree Zack snyder's version of it definitely has the vibe of like you remember that scene in batman v superman where we had like a bunch of key art and we had like a bunch of clips about what these characters could be yeah what if we made a four-hour film that kind (laughs) of sets that up while they're also trying to save the world yeah and it definitely works better than the whedon cut but at the same time when it gets to the very end like if i had seen this film in theaters i'd be like Okay, Flashpoint should not be the first Flash film, but hey, we'll see what they do. Aquaman would have not been interested at all had I <laughs> yeah, had yeah. seen this initially. Uh, Batman, I would have probably been... Yeah, actually, I would have been interested in Batman's film because the initial epilogue scene basically sets up what the Ben Affleck Batman film was going to be, which I think would have been genuinely fun and interesting had it came into fruition, but it didn't. But then again, we're getting a Robert Pattinson Batman film, yeah. which also looks tight as hell and um wonder woman's where it's like oh my gosh she found the arrow maybe she's gonna go back to themiscara and it's like oh boy wish i cared yeah i don't i just like i don't feel like there's much here in terms of a story which is hilarious because if that was supposed to be the initial sequel bait (laughs) what we got instead is so much more bonkers (laughs) than what actually it could have been and then you have you have superman basically be like he he just is Superman. You see him basically do the classic Clark Kent's walking down the street, sees a bad, sees like something bad's happened, and then he runs down an alley and pulls out the Superman logo. Yeah. He's obviously not going to get another film. And it's like, that's the thing too, is like, I think even if this film came out in theaters, I don't think a lot of these films would still be in development. Yeah. <laughs> I think they, they were already kind of on death's door solely because the public spoke with not only critical responses, right. but with their wallets. And even though, like, I mean, we've we've had friends where it's like, look at the Rotten Tomatoes score. It's better than it was with the Justice League Whedon cut. And it's like, I get well, that. Yeah. Because a lot of people who are who liked who are going to like this are people who want this to be good. Yeah, well, and it's, and it's fine. A huge there's part nothing of the wrong with that. Is, yeah. Yes, this is better. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with liking this film or wanting oh, to like this film. Sure. Because to be honest, like, I am genuinely really glad that Snyder got to finish his vision. And I thought about this today, actually. Um, we talked about in their Sponge Out of Water episode where, like, when we saw the uh, for Steven Hillenburg in memoriam at the end of the film, we felt kind of gross because yeah, we kind of yeah. we knew that, like, that's this is not what this guy had in mind right. for the series. But when I saw, like, for Autumn at mm-hmm. the end of Snyder Cut, I was like, shit. Yeah. Like, I'm glad he got 
like, damn, I'm glad he got to finish this. I'm glad he got yeah. to finally finish a, his trilogy of what this was going to be, even though I don't love it, even though I probably will only rewatch this if my dad's like, no one wants to watch this with me. Can you please watch <laughs> yeah. Snyder Cut with me? I'll watch it with him. But at the same time, when I watch it with him, I will probably be on my phone for the scenes that I know are just in are just in unimportant to the overall right, narrative right. of the film. And it is just the fact that, like, at its whole, it is a four-hour film that is telling the same basic narrative as the Whedon cut. Right. So you're like, oh, what is that four hours fill? And it's like, well, think about, like, now instead of it going way too fast and pacing-wise like it is in the Whedon it's cut, way too slow. it's way too slow. And it's one of those things where it's like we, I mean, we had a friend who was watching it with us, and of course he was not. He was he was making fun of how stupid it was, and it got to a point where it was so long into it uh, that he would just go, "Bad, <laughs> bad movie, bad." Like he just he just had no, he just did not have any strength yeah. to keep talking about <laughs> the film in any kind of coherent way other than bad movie. Yeah, I think Snyder Cut took a lot more out of him than it did us. Yeah, I think for and it was for us. It was like. Jesus Christ, okay. Yeah. And we had a friend who, I mean, we haven't really talked. We had a friend, who, this was his This was his first time watching Justice League. He did not watch the Whedon Cut. Oh, yeah. He was like, I'm telling you guys right now, I will not be watching the Whedon Cut with you if you guys <laughs> watch it. I want this to be my first experience. And he has some. He has the same issues that we do to a yeah, certain degree, I mean, where it's like, yeah, it's too long. It. I don't understand why this is here. I don't understand why Batman is just, just there and not yeah. really doing much. And it's like, eh. Well, I'm glad, like, even people who haven't seen The Wayne Cut can come yeah. in here and be like, oh, there's issues to this. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 hard to talk about this because, again, we've had friends who have basically said, like, you just don't like Snyder. You just have an issue with Snyder. You just don't like what he's trying to do. You, you are biased <laughs> to what he's trying to say. And it's like, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't think anyone watching Zack Snyder's Justice League could be unbiased in any way. Yeah. Most people going into this have some sort of frame of mind. Even well, even the, and also it's like if your argument is that we don't like it because we don't like it, his other movies, you like it because you like his other movies. Yeah, I mean, if I mean, you don't like a dude's filmmaking, yeah. you're not going to like his filmmaking. Yeah, well, let's let's go down the list. Uh, Dawn of the Dead isn't good, but I can understand where it came out of at its time. Three hundred is fine. It yeah. is a is a it, it's, it's enjoyable dumb, visually. Fun, kind yeah. of. It's dumb and visually engaging at times. Yeah. Watchmen works, and I think it be, it works because of the source material. <laughs> yeah, and despite the, its attempts yeah. to kind of miss the point of yeah. the source material. And there are moments in that film where Snyder hits a home run with the writing, with the visuals, with yeah. the performances, but they're not always consistent. Legend of the Guardians, The Owls of Kahul is his best film, and nothing that he has made so far will probably <laughs> change that at all. Yeah. That film, Snyder, if you're listening to this, Hi. You should make more animated films. Yeah, or like video games. Honestly, honestly. Direct a video game. It would be, if he said, I am going to do a slate of animated films, I would, ironically, be so excited for those. (laughs) Because Legend of the Guardians shows his talent in a visual medium where you can create the visuals entirely. Yeah. And then you have Sucker Punch, which I still think is his worst film. I personally think it's his worst film still. Man of Steel is not good. It's, it's a not. Mess. It's a mess. Batman v Superman is He's bad. A huge both, mess. Both versions are dumpster fires in their own way. The thirty-minute one that's or the one that's three hours long is still a slightly less burning dumpster yeah. fire, but it's still a dumpster fire. 
Is Zack Snyder's Justice League is his best DC film. It's the most passion I've seen from him as a director, as as a viewer. Feels like and it has the most heart it has in the story too. A hundred percent. It's just the most empathetic movie he yeah. made for DC. But this is a third film. At, this is one out of three. One out of three, and, and it and, took him four hours yeah. to do kind of bare minimum. And to be completely honest, if I was to rate Whedon's cut of Justice League, I'd probably give it a four out of five. A five for Zack Snyder's Justice League, honestly. Wait, wait. A four out of five? Four, four point five or oh. a five out of ten. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. It's not, not out <laughs> it of five. sounds like you really like no, this. No, 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 no. Out of stars, I kind of be like, with, with the Snyder cut, it'd either be five and a half out of ten or six out of ten on a good day. Yeah. Like, it's... It's not a huge jump, but it is a jump that is improved. Yeah. And well, it's, and it's yeah, there's something to admire yeah. about it. Even yeah, if it's like I I respect that this movie exists more than I actively enjoy the movie itself. I will admit, I'm happy for yeah. Zach. Absolutely, I will admit, I went into this film being like, I don't think I'm going to hate it more than Whedon's cut, but I don't think it's going to set my yeah. world on fire. But as soon as Cyborg showed up, as soon as all the Cyborg stuff we have been seeing for years that we never got any context to and we finally got that context, I fell in love with that character. And I was like, oh my god, no wonder Ray Fisher was pissed. Yeah, Like, this guy is, like, giving it his all in Cyborg. Even though his design is shitty, he is doing a good job. Yeah, Like, the way that they visualize cyborg's abilities in terms of like hacking into mainframes and like it is astounding and i think it actually in snyder's i think it is something that i think only snyder could do it in that way where Mm. it's just like you see like the whole scene where he like is looking at social security numbers and like incomes and like banking accounts and like floods that woman's yeah like a a, a very sweet woman who just doesn't make a lot of money just is on a down just on a downward spiral and she Basically, Cyborg is nice and gives her a lot of money. Yeah, one <laughs> gives of the best her... scenes in the movie. Yeah. It's just like you see those things. It's like, I'm glad that this film is out. I'm yeah. glad that this is out. And to be honest, saying that the Whedon cut is out, like inextinguishable, like it's it's now just like, you know, useless. I think both Whedon and Warner Brothers are 100% okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> because in all honesty, I think in this scenario, to a degree, in terms of present day, everybody wins. Warner Brothers gets something else for HBO Max, and you know people go, "Hey, good job!" To a degree, even though there's a lot of reports and rumors that Warner Brothers has been trying their best to kind of push the hype yeah. around Snyder Cut to the end, which I kind of hope is not true because that is extremely petty with what they've been trying to use <laughs> to push it away. But at the same time, yeah, I'm glad they gave Snyder the money to do it. I'm glad Snyder was able to finally actually make a Snyder Cut. But at the very end of the day. It doesn't make him a great director. It doesn't make his universe great. Yeah. It like his cinematic universe is still extremely flawed. It doesn't make up for it doesn't make up for Martha. It doesn't make up for 9/11 Part 2 and Man of Steel. It doesn't yeah. make up for Jesse Eisenberg, Granny's Peach Tea, all the weird shit that we got prior to this yeah. film. Well, it's, and all the the same Snyder problems that we continue to get in this film. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's still Snyder as a director, and Snyder as a director has his own flaws and strengths, and for a lot of people, those are flipped, or they think there's more flaws and strengths in that regard. And it's like, again, on a a basically just a level of just like, through all that man has been through, through all his family has been through, through all the kind of hype and conspiracy theories surrounding it, I'm glad it's out, and I'm glad it's not a BVS dumpster fire. Yeah. (laughs) 
And that is Zack Snyder's Justice League. If you have HBO Max and you have unfortunately watched both Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, <laughs> but you haven't watched this yet, it's worth a watch. It's definitely worth a watch with friends. Because yeah. we, we've actually had friends who have watched it by themselves and they went, oh God, this is hard to watch. I have right. to watch this in chunks. So if you want to watch this as a full theater experience or like almost like you're at a movie theater, it definitely works best to you know, pop some popcorn, have some friends come over, definitely bring alcohol to have some, just, you yeah. know, just, just to be, have to have a good time and just watch a cut that is yes, better, but does not make it any less forgettable or any less bad in certain regards. Yeah. Um, but I think we already said too, uh, just to overall talk about Snyder. Our favorite film of his is guardians of owls. Of oh, yeah. Um, his worst film, at least for me is sucker punch. <laughs> Yeah, I would say Sucker Punch and followed by Dawn of the Dead. Uh, that that oh. one, a lot of people like that one a lot more a lot more than I do, but I hated that movie. I think I could put Dawn of the Dead above BVS solely because Dawn of the Dead is shorter. Oh, that's true. That's where yeah. I'm at in that yeah. regard. Because like with Dawn of the Dead, it's like... It's neck and neck for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, good to know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, again, yeah, this is, this is... We've watched all Snyder films as of now. <laughs> Yeah, until May. Until May when the Dave Batista zombie heist film Army of the Dead. And you know what, Logan? I don't know how Zack Snyder does it, but we watched his whole filmography. I have liked one of them. <laughs> and yet I'm still excited somehow for Army of the Dead. Still genuinely curious. Yeah. Like, and I think that's what's so crazy. pulling me back. <laughs> that's what's so crazy about Snyder is like... I watched HBO on HBO Max released on YouTube like a little bit of a mini diary of like the initial production of Justice League mixed with like Zach talking about the production of Snyder Cut in general. And everyone just talks about like he has so much energy. He has a genuine vision for like certain things like it just visually like the whole flash scene he had in his brain and he storyboarded yeah. himself and it's yeah. like he is just such a charismatic guy. <laughs> That it makes it does not surprise me at all that he once he got Don the Dead out of the gate he has just been consistently making stuff and yeah. having even after making a dog shit film like Sucker Punch having someone like Christopher Nolan who has just got off of Dark Knight trilogy <laughs> go this guy is who I want to do this Superman is the guy. so yeah I am in the same boat where it's like am I expecting to be wowed no at the same time though. I'm genuinely curious yeah. because you hear the same stuff. Batista had a blast with Snyder, and that man worked with James Gunn, who we can't help but love to death. Yeah. And it's it's going to be something else. However, that is not what we're doing next. No. You see, next on our trilogies, now March is done. The, mar- the month of Snyder is now over. <laughs> it's now time to go into other stuff. And what we have coming up next actually ties into a recent release. So we're going to be taking a week off because, in case you didn't know, just a whole month of Snyder can be taxing on the soul and the brain, especially when the last one Rots is four, especially when the last film is four hours. <laughs> but we're going to take a break. We're going to take a week off, and then on April 10th we are coming back for a new trilogy that coincides with a actually a new HBO HBO Max release. We are doing Legendary's Godzilla trilogy. Man, we've really. We've really uh, sold out. We're getting all that HBO Max <laughs> money for promoting them. That would be wonderful if that were the case. <laughs> but no, it just so happened to coincide release-wise. March 31st, Godzilla vs. Kong comes out. 
when we take that break, we're going to start watching all those films, kind of figuring out what the next Just, Yeah, the slate. legendary monster yeah. series, the Godzilla movies. We're definitely going to talk about that. Uh, we may or may not do a frequel for Kong if oh, we yeah, want we to. Could. We could we could do that. We could also just I mean, to be honest, in terms of Kong's involvement in the universe, it's not that big. Yeah. We could probably talk about it while talking about Godzilla versus Kong. He's a wee babe in the seventies in Skull Island. <laughs> By the time we see him in yeah. Godzilla versus Kong, he's like three times the size. He's monkey. He's he's truly there. Um we're gonna be talking about twenty fourteen's Godzilla, twenty nineteen's Godzilla King of the Monsters, and this year's Godzilla versus Kong. Mm. It is going to be fun. I definitely like these films, or at least the first two films more than Andy probably does. Oh, yeah. So it's going to be interesting to talk about these these films. But you know what? It's a similar Snyder thing. Not a big fan of the first two movies, but I'm hyped for Godzilla vs. Yeah. Kong, so it'll, it'll be worth it. And there's just so much history to this character that like, we might even watch just as a prep what Jap- Japan has done with Godzilla in the yeah. last ten years. Because yeah. it's like, Shin Godzilla is wild. It's hard. <laughs> it's wild to see what Japan does with the character now compared yeah. to what we have done. But yeah, tune in on April 10th when we do Legendary's Godzilla Trilogy. But the until then... Hmm? Most important question, though. Oh. What team are you on, Logan? <laughs> team Lizard or Team Monkey? <laughs> I assume you're on Monkey. So I'm I'll, Team Monkey. Then I'll do Lizard. <laughs> just just <laughs> for uh, solidarity. It'll be sake. Logan versus Andy and Godzilla <laughs> versus Kong uh, on the, April 10th. The world needs Andy and Logan to <laughs> peek against one another for this. But tune in on April 10th for Legendary's Godzilla trilogy. Of course, I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.